Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hello and welcome to another episode of Miked, the official podcast of St. Michael Catholic Church, Gastonia. I am your host, Shane Page, the Director of Evangelization, and I am joined once again with the garrulous... <laughs> Father Lucas Rossi. You get me every week on that. <laughs> I never know. But it is good to see you, as Thank always. You. How How's things been uh, so far this week? On what, the, Today's the feast day of uh, St. Matthew, Matthew the yes, Apostle. St. Matthew the Apostle, evangelist, writer of uh, the Gospel of St. Matthew. Yeah. An apostle. Can you just brief everybody again? What makes an apostle an apostle? Why are they called apostles and not just disciples. What is the the distinction there? Um, I think it really that they're sent. The apostles are ones who are literally sent out by Christ, and so the twelve, the original twelve, um, were the twelve apostles. Of course, Judas, the betrayer, was out. Saint Matthias was brought in after him, selected by lot, uh, casting the lots, and uh, the apostles are sent out. So they were sent out to evangelize and basically to build the church. Okay. Throughout the world, and so you know, we uh, they say apostolic succession. So, uh, as we say, we're one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Uh, that the apostles are the the foundation of our faith because Christ sent them out, and then they are there to build up the church. And uh, the bishops, uh, in a sense, spiritually, I think we can say uh, you can trace them back to the apostles in some way. There's some. I'm not sure how accurate that could be, but a bishop's ordination, he, he's ordained by other, other bishops who are ordained by bishops, by bishops, by bishops, back, 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 and somehow one could say that, uh, that it, well, you were ordained by, you know, a bishop, and then the apostles made bishops. Okay, know. so I was going to say that that means yeah. the apostles would have ordained bishops. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so there's some way to see the uh, bishops as successors of the apostles through ordination. Well, one of the uh, insights during my early days when I was, uh, my intellectual conversion was just beginning about Catholicism because before then, as you know, I was a Methodist. I didn't know any better, anything different. Um, St. Ignatius, one of the letters of St. Ignatius of Antioch, Mm -hmm. talked about do not really uh, confer with or have communion with those who are outside union with the bishops, that a church and he's writing this in the 100s. Sure. I mean, this is early, that those who are outside of what you just said, this apostolic succession, Correct, yes. the company of the bishops, are not, in his words, a true church. Right. Yes. I mean, where the bishop is, there is Christ, and where Christ is, there is the church. I think that's paraphrasing one of his famous lines from his writings. Uh, so we do uh, depend on the bishops, of course, for their fidelity to the apostles, to the faith, and of course, the apostles, the bishops are there, connected to the Holy Father in Rome. So there's no no bishop is made um, without the Holy Father's, you know, uh, mandate or approval or mm-hmm. selection. Mm-hmm. You know, the Holy Father is the one who ultimately selects and asks and requests that a, a priest become a bishop. You know, so um, that uh, happens in a in a sort of a mysterious way, but that's ultimately. The Holy Father has selected whoever is a bishop has selected him to be a bishop. Yeah, I just you know, I love that. Uh, of course, I didn't know we were going to talk about this. That if you think about the twelve disciples and the genius 
and really the provocative way the Lord called certain these certain men together. That was Matthew, the purported tax collector, Indeed. who would have been absolutely despised yes. by um, faithful Jewish society, yep. and yet. <laughs> Not only does Jesus call a tax collector who would have been probably hated by even the rest of the apostles, he also calls Simon a zealot. And a zealot would have been someone who would have had nothing but contempt for someone like Matthew mm. being a part of the inner circle and how the Lord was able to bring these men from a variety of diverse backgrounds together and in union with a common purpose. Um, I'm not necessarily endorsing the chosen that the new episode of the chosen sure, is sure. the series, mm -hmm. but could I imagine some infighting among the disciples based on whom the Lord was calling sure. to follow Him? Absolutely. Sure. No, I like the creativity in the chosen. Uh, it's good for the, the Catholic imagination to have just imagination of these apostles, and I like the chosen's move to just show these like just a lot of them very young men, you know, uh, inexperienced. Just a very uh, variety of backgrounds, right? You know, um, so it is good, and I do, I do find, I think people are very enamored with Matthew and the Chosen, the character that they, yeah, the, the they actor that they have uh, for him. I think people are enamored by him and his character and uh, the way he's portrayed. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> sort of a. Uh, you know, a calculated man who's uh, finicky about how he wears his, you know, sandals and shoes, just kind of a little bit of OCD a little bit, I think, when they had this first episode where they were introducing mm -hmm. him. And uh, and it, it showed well the despise or the attitude of uh, resentment that people had towards tax collectors and Matthew specifically. And uh, there's, I think, a scene where he has nowhere to celebrate, you know, uh, Shabbat, you know, and people don't want to invite him around and... So um, anyway, I thought that was compelling to think of that. And well, they were considered collaborators with the Roman Empire, right. number one. And then they number two, they, they, had to, they had to fleece. Yeah. For them to make any money, they had to up what you really owed on taxes, and they pocketed the, they pocketed the difference. Right. It was, so they could, I think they could set that as they wished. Okay. So there was never really an under, a, a set uh, scale. It was sort of whatever the collector Whatever they want to say was feed, a Feed, put the fee in, I suppose, for maybe, I don't know if it was interest or what you would call it. but uh, Anyway, they thought they were, well, the Jewish people would have thought it robbery, mm -hmm. <laughs> number yeah. one. But I love that image of, is it Caravaggio who's got the, the portrait of, of Jesus just pointing his finger? Right. And then I think it's Matthew just kind of doing this mm -hmm. and light shining on him. I mean, it goes back to what uh, you had said in a homily a couple of weeks ago, that we have this idea that we're finding Jesus and as if we came up with our own little rationale and, and just assessed the environment and said, you know what, I think I'll be a Christian. None of the apostles would have said that. Matthew would have said, my life was, I may have had a lonely existence and hated by my compatriots, but I was doing pretty well yeah. for myself. And suddenly they were tagged. He was tagged yeah. to follow. Exactly. Uh, they, yeah, Caravaggio's uh, Call of Matthew is extremely famous. Uh, it's hanging in a church in Rome. Um, I'm not exactly sure the name of the church. I think it's St. Louis of the French or something. I can't remember. But it's a it's not it's not a church that title that jumps off the top of my head. But that's where this painting uh, hangs, and it is also the motto of um, our Holy Father Pope Francis. He chose. Is his papal motto uh, the uh, with uh, seeing with the eyes of mercy? He chose him. I don't know what the 
the full motto is. Uh, but it's from St. Bede, the Venerable's homily, on this oh, yes. uh, gospel passage, which is on this feast, uh, looking, at him, looking at him with mercy, with the eyes of mercy, he chose him. Um, so I'm, the piece of that is the motto of, Saint, of um, our Holy Father, Pope Francis. Uh, so he does refer to that Caravaggio painting that has, I guess, moved in the past. Our our Pope, when he was, you know, in Rome, I guess he has a affection for that image. Mm, okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that that is it is a very beautiful image. If people haven't seen it, they should go look it up. Um, it's very popular, so many people probably have seen it. Don't realize this the one we're talking about, but yeah, I, the, the the you know the painting shows the finger of Jesus really vividly you know there's there's a stream of light coming from the background that looks like the finger and the light are, are one and the light is you know sh- you know shining on matthew and he has this surprised look i think mm-hmm. sort of this me kind of right you know uh um, and he, he i think the other fellows around him the other counters and whatnot are not paying attention i think it's just matthew's looking at jesus and then the others are just about their money you know counting it up right yeah and uh so but the, but the marvelous the marvelous call of matthew is the gospel for today it's uh it's a very sh- short passage for the mass but you know it's it's people are you know i'm always amazed at the immediacy it says you know jesus said follow me immediately he got up yeah. and followed jesus he just left. like the rest of the apostles had right. done when they left everything and as well that's so just all grace they left that they left that catch of fish and he leaves, you know, literally a table full of money, yeah. you know, um, a, a, a post, uh, which his collections post. So I don't know how much money would have been in there at the time, but the, but not just that, but the lifestyle. And yeah, he was been, he would have been very comfortable. I think the Greek word in Matthew's gospel this is and he got up. I think I'm pretty sure. He rose. Is that what it is? He arose yeah. or he got up, depending yeah. on your translations. Nevertheless, it is. The Greek word is related to the word for resurrection, the getting up of the resurrection. Because resurrection, when you break it down in Greek, literally means uprising, mm. <laughs> rising up, which I think is fascinating. Easter, if you think of Easter as an uprising. Um, but Matthew got up as though this was a kind of Easter for him, a a transition to a newness of life. Sure. Which we all desire, I, you know, I think I just constantly pray that I can have that grace to be immediately Constantly getting up, rising out of my sinfulness right. to follow Christ. Yeah, um, anastasis, get, I believe, is the is the Greek word for oh, resurrection. Okay. Well, anastasis an, means up, rising, rising up, get getting the name up. Anastasia from that. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, why didn't I ever think about that? Well, yeah, so it's a great story, and I and it, and it just verifies that the worst of sinners can become the greatest of saints. Right. And I, I noticed this, and I, and I promise we'll we'll move on. But I noticed this morning in the reading from St. Bede mm-hmm. about how the very next story is that, next, that Jesus is suddenly eating with a, a company of tax collectors and sinners that right after Matthew is called, he's already been evangelizing. And now Jesus, he's bringing even his own friends into yes. the company of Jesus. I, I never had caught that before, but that's a great little insight by uh, St. Bede. Yes. Um, or Venerable Bede. Yeah. There is... Um... Just think of speaking, uh, speaking of Matthew, the um, uh, Zeffirelli was that the fellow who made the Jesus of Nazareth series? Yes, that's right. Okay, so he has a scene in there which 
I enjoy. Um, it's the um, so Matthew and Peter are not getting along, you know, and um, I think Peter even says, "I hate Matthew," you know, um, just because he can't stand his yep. background, his past. Um, but Jesus, it is in the context of um, going to Matthew's house for this. He eats with sinners and tax collectors. That Peter is not wanting to go along and go inside, or you know, because mm-hmm. he's Matthew, he's a tax collector, mm-hmm. and you know, um, and that, and in that scene, that's when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son. Ah. I think, yeah, really, really great cinematography there. And as Jesus is telling this parable, he, the camera keeps, he starts just looking at Matthew and Peter, and looking at Matthew and Peter, and. Um, I don't know, I kind of get, you know, uh, gives me goosebumps kind of thinking about it now, uh, that scene. Well, uh, which would make sense. It's captivating. It's, a, I mean, an interesting way, again, yeah. the way that uh, those who take courageously to try and film movies about Christ and his life and the, the, the apostles uh, to help us with our imagery. Because I think for most American Christians, you know, we're probably just thinking that the apostles are these old men and... You know, we see their statues in Rome, and they're glorified, and they have long beards, oh, yeah. and they, they, you know, how old are these guys? You know, they're, you know, are they hell? You know, it's just, well, they all began very young, and, and um, they didn't know, you know, Christ, and everything was a journey for them, and that they, you know, it wasn't just this easygoing, everybody got along, and oh, they, were, no. they were from so many different mm-hmm. backgrounds, and... Um, so, I mean, we have to realize the humanity of all this is, is uh, very real. Yeah, I, I remember uh, when I was serving a church, I was joking around some people there because there was, there was some skirmishes happening here and there, some contentious relationships. And I remember saying something along the lines of, well, can we give Jesus a little bit of credit for all of the, all that's happening, all the contention of the church? I mean, he's the one who loves to call sinners to himself. He's still doing that, and and you just know that that was also the experience of the the apostles. There would have been some contention from time to time. That's the nature of the church, right? Yeah. Um, That's good to remember for sure. Yeah, even now, you know, with tension and division in the church, you know well, that it's part of this is because well, it it, it was it's always been. There's been tension. Yeah, well, you know? Richard Newhouse, Father Newhouse, have you ever heard of Father Richard mm-hmm. Newhouse? Mm-hmm. He said in one of his books that was assigned to me when I was in seminary, you know, he says, you know, God could have called angels to be evangelists, but he chose people like us. You know, there would have been a better path for him to have a very nice, you know, whitewashed, you know, church experience where everything just goes so smoothly. That's not who he chooses to work with. Right. Yeah. Or even, you know, the people that have been chosen aren't ones that we think would or ought to be the better candidates. You know, it's, right. you know, why'd you pick fishermen? Why'd you pick a tax collector? Why'd you pick a zealot? You know, yeah. Um, these guys aren't, they're not even, quote, churchy. You know, they're not running established. Yeah, you think about the fishermen, they'd been a rugged man. They'd been, you know, Peter would have been a rugged man. Yeah. 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 And they show that, again, and show, the chosen, they show that pretty well, fishing in the ruggedness of that life. Yeah, exactly. Well, and the last thing I'll say about Peter, it would make sense that that the Lord would give him that story on the table and that Peter wouldn't want to eat with uh, Matthew because a little bit later on in the book of Acts, he didn't want to go eat with non-Jews either. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. Peter was at the center of another you know, a table uh, debate. But yes, yeah, speaking of angels, God could have called angels and, and angels are a part of the mission of, of heaven right now. Uh, we're getting ready. We're on the approach to our big feast day, uh, the St. Michael Feast that we're going to celebrate here at 
at St. Michael. And today, the 21st, today is the day of the novena mm-hmm. that should have started. Yes. A little bit about that. And you also shared what we're going to be, our mission as a parish, which is be invested, be transformed, and be His. Let's take just a couple of moments to really massage that into the parish because this is really a, a, a turning it's a new day for the parish in many ways. Right. And sure. And I think speaking about it on the Feast of St. Matthew is appropriate because uh, St. Matthew absolutely did that. You know, be invested. He was transformed, belonged, and became totally mm. his, became Christ's, right. you know, in every way. As the, all the apostles uh, did, except for Judas. Um, that this is really, uh, yes, a vision, a mission, you know, for for each of us in the parish to understand that it applies to every soul. Anyone can come and understand what it means to be invested, be transformed, be his, you know, that in the, in the, in the, in the, in the human heart we have this desire for God, you know, which we constantly fill with other things that aren't him oftentimes. And, uh, you know, to be invested is uh, the first step, it seems, of the call to be intentional, be an intentional disciple to use that mm-hmm. uh, terminology from um, Sherry Waddell and the forming intentional disciples in her work. But that in the past, you know, couple decades, this I, this notion of being intentional disciples is really growing within the church. You know that trying to get out of the away from this idea that the parish is there for me to go to church and worship, and it is, you know. But a parish is more than that. You know, was why aren't we just a chapel? Why aren't we just you know, um, like as our chapels, you know, you go to Italy and you go to pilgrimage sites and they have they have the, the chapel there, you know, that it has mass and it has mass in all these different languages and people are always coming and going, you know, uh, but that's not, that's, that's not a parish, you know, it's it's just to welcome pilgrims and they're here one day and gone the next mm-hmm. and they say, well, we're not a shrine and we're not a, a chapel, you know, we're a parish, which is very different, you know, and um, and a parish is a living uh, entity within the life of the church. You know, it's 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 uh, it's it has its own rights and canon law. You know, in a sense, it's treated with it's 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 an entity that uh, that's protected. You know, it's just not a, a um, some kind of haphazard establishment. Mm-hmm. Not a club. You know, um, and it's it's the body of Christ. Uh, if you think about what the parish is meant to do, you know, and, and that's what the mission statement we have, be invested, be transformed, be his, this is what the parish is to help us do. The parish is here to help each of us be invested, be transformed, and be his. Mm-hmm. And so the parish needs, you know, on the other side, the parish needs us to be invested, mm-hmm. be transformed, be his. So the parish is here to serve us and help us in our journey and provide and sanctify us, you know, and, and, and but then also the parish needs its uh, people. It needs the parishioners to uh, to be invested, be transformed, be his for the parish to, to thrive. Right, and we, because of the gifts. I mean, we each have the gifts that have been given to us that only I have, that only you have, and mm-hmm. they, they are meant to be for the for the upbuilding of the body of Christ mm-hmm. that happens in the local church. Right, and I think that, you know, I, I, we, you and I have spoken about this before, and others have, that we're not in Christendom anymore, that we're in, you know, apostolic times. 
that that what does that mean? It means that we don't live in a society that has that's supported by Christian values. We don't um, live in a world where Christian values uh, dominate society. Where that may have been the case in times past in other cultures and nations, including our own. Um, and even now, we struggle to preserve Christian values, as we as we say as Americans. Um, but that the the importance of evangelizing, you know, was took a center stage uh, in Vatican II, um, and that's not a, la- a language that a lot of Catholics, uh, at least back then, were really comfortable with. And, and even now, you think evangelization, evangelize, you think of Billy Graham mm-hmm. and Protestant evangelicals. You think, well, that's what they do. It says, but that doesn't mean we do it exactly like that or that everyone has to be like Billy Graham, you know, but, but we are commissioned in our baptisms uh, to, to share the faith in the family home, the domestic church, you know, every Catholic, every home, every individual, each of us has a, a, a role to play in helping people find Christ, to encounter him, right? And to invite people to Mass, you know, if that's an appropriate thing to do if their journey of faith is sometimes it's not the right time to invite someone to mass. They need to be, uh, communi- you know, build a relationship with them more, whatever. It may not be the best yeah. thing, but uh, right away. Uh, but I think that uh, it's really important to, to understand that the work of the church is evangelization, that ultimately the parish isn't there to get the Catholics in the area to go to mass. That's part of it, but the, that the parish is supposed to be going out to the, the city and transforming the culture around it, you know that is that is what that's why we say it's apostolic times. Meaning, um, we the parishes are surrounded by environments and cultures that are very unchristian, you know, and that we are surrounded by unchurched people or um, you know many 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 denominations of Protestantism, which is all that division is scandalous uh, to the body of Christ. Right, we're not meant mm-hmm. to be so divided. Uh, so. So we, you know, the the parish has a mission, you know. So, what's the mission? Be transformed, be invested, be transformed, be his. What are, what's supposed to happen to the people of Gastonia? Be invested, invested be, be transformed. transformed, be his. You know, every soul. And when you know a pastor is made pastor, I've, I explain this to people. I say, you know, I'm responsible for the souls of every person in my parish boundaries. That's every soul in the parish boundaries, Saint Michael. Whether they are Catholic, non-Catholic, church going, not church going. You know, everyone in this boundary is. I have spiritual care, as it were, for for all of them. You know, so I pray for the city, pray for people. You know, it's a it's a humbling thing to know that. But it's it is not just you're not just here for the Catholic folk that happen to move here, or pull up on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm here for the souls. You know, yeah. Um, but wouldn't you rather? I, I think about. If you, if I had a choice between living in a time of Christendom, where culture presumably is shaped by the faith and everybody takes for granted that they are Christian or baptized, right. choosing either to live in that kind of environment or or a more secular environment, I think I would always prefer to live in the more secular environment because then the gospel can sound like news. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good news, right? Um, and of course, news is something you would not know unless someone told you. And that the early the the apostles, as you said, were in apostolic times. Well, they came from a pagan environment. They went out into right. a pagan environment. It True. was news, and it struck the world as news. And I don't know. I find that to be invigorating, a little bit more exciting. It reminds me of something a 
one uh, theologian, I can't remember who it was, and I was sharing with this with my Bible study group on Friday that preaching needs to go move from uh, history to journalism. You know, we need to move away from like, let's explain everything away and just uh, go back from, from that to uh, just reporting and announcing, this has happened, boom. And then dropping your mic and getting out of the way. Yeah. I don't know. I find that to be more compelling. Sure. Uh, I, I think so. I think that's a good way to look at it, you know. And, uh, and and knowing that the apostles lived in time, as you said, even with, with paganism all over the place. Right. You know, in, in Roman. Many gods. In yes. Roman time, you know, it was going into Rome. It's like, hey, is, you know, you might say, well, that's not a Catholic empire, Catholic city. Catholic. Of course not. Yeah. And it became that way. That's right. You know, and, and the Roman empire is gone and St. Peter's Basilica and the Catholic churches are still there, mm-hmm. you know, and um, other churches that were dedicated to pagan gods are now turned into Catholic churches, you know, throughout mm-hmm. Rome and other, you know, uh, that, that's happened before. Um so it is. It should be an exciting time, but it, we really should, the church has her work cut out for her. Oh we, yes, this is, you know this is this is definitely a time to to know that we've got a lot of heavy lifting to do, um, and it can't just be Father and the religious brothers and sisters doing this. You know, it's, it's the people in the pews um, must embrace their mission um, to spread the faith. You know, and that and and, and know the faith, proclaim the faith. You know. Um, because that's that's what we're asked to do, right? I, I I agree. But you know, even though we're we're in a secular culture, we still have our temples, you know, to the to the pagan gods around <laughs> us. They're still there. We just call them by different names. Mm. One of them, for instance, I remember Stanley Harawas once said that it used to be that the cathedrals were the tallest buildings in a particular city, like you could always see, you know, because he says architecture tells you what the culture believes. He says now. The, the cathedrals are obscured by even taller buildings. We just, they're the banks. Right. Um, or they're the malls. Mm-hmm. So those are, have become quasi, and I'm not here to denounce any bankings or bankers who might be listening, but those are a, a quasi temples that we have erected that right. do project what our values are. Right. Yeah, I remember there was someone who described a mall as going into a temple and you're surrounded by icons these images of what the good life is supposed to be and with a, with a, and then you pay your token you know at the altar with a cash register and then you can wear you know what what these icons are representing for you you know the mannequins you know the mm. altars of the good life so we're there we have religious belief we just don't call it paganism as such anymore right but it's a great opportunity for us to be out and and to to be boldly Catholic, right? as you have said, that too is a great witness. But we can't do it unless we're all invested in that mission. Right. And I think that's really what this whole feast day is about. Um, let's all focus on one thing, and that is this parish, that mm-hmm. we can make it as robust as we can with the gifts that I have mm-hmm. so that transformation happens and that we're fully gods. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and I mean, that... It ties in well to St. Michael, you know, uh, of course, because he is the faithful angel, the one who stands as the prince of heaven, you know, the prince of heavenly hosts, uh, who stands um, as the victor over Satan, uh, who would not serve, and Michael's, I will serve. Uh, but that is the that is the, uh, the Christ-like disposition. He came to um, serve, not to be served. You know, right. Christ emptied himself, the great Philippian 
him from St. Paul, you know, uh, that he came to do the will of his father, Mm -hmm. you know, and that it all comes down. It just always keeps going back to the very beginning of will I, thy will be done or not. Right. You know, they will be done. uh, Thy kingdom come, they will be done. You know, so, uh, so St. Michael as, as Saint uh, stands really to, to encourage us, you know, be invested, be transformed, be his. Um, and, and what I love about it, as I said before, is just everyone everyone can say this applies to me. Yeah. Yeah, me, me or I or I can choose to 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 live this way, to get on board with this. Anyone can get on board with this. I like, can't say, Well that doesn't apply to me. I don't yeah, I do need to be invested. Yeah, I do need to be transformed because I, I know I'm not who I should be. We all feel that way. Mm-hmm. And do you want to belong totally to Christ? Yeah, I, I, I really would. I, I don't think I do, you know. Right. So there's that tension of all those, well, I should invest more, be more detached from money and possessions. I should. And then once we do that, though, that, that clears the way for transformation, you know, because we, the gospel does not impact us unless we agree first on the, the level of intentionality of frugal living or just asking God, how do you want me to live simply? Mm-hmm. I cannot stay in the rat race of American culture. I cannot uh, I cannot hold up the American dream as the thing I must have and I have a right to have or that I ought to have it, even as a Christian, that Jesus comes along and smashes that. It's like, you're not going to have the American well, dream. Well, I tax You may, you may. You may be in a position where that's it, externally, it looks like you've achieved the great American dream, you know, and you're a Christian. Wonderful, right? But how is Christ calling us to live with what's been given, right. with what we have, and what do we constantly keep elevating ourselves in our lifestyle? Do we keep desiring more and expanding our lifestyle, or is it how can I live more simply, um, or at least live in such a way that I can stabilize my lifestyle so I can? Be more generous. Be more generous yeah. and serve the parish and serve its mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a, it's a, the be invested, be transformed, be his is really a challenge. It's, it's, it's something that everyone can feel challenged by because yeah. no one has, unless we're saints in heaven, we, we, we haven't gotten there yet. No, I mean, that's Paul. Paul yeah. says that in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I've already attained. I keep pressing on. Mm-hmm. I keep pressing on. I have not gotten there yet. I've not got. That's what Christian perfection looks like. It is knowing I'm far from perfected well, in love, and I have to yeah. keep going forward. And that's Catherine Drexel's quote that, that press forward, that, fear nothing. Yeah. yeah. So, and she gave the first great donation to found our parish in 1903. Um, so, there's a lot to be thankful for, and that's one of the reasons why we're gathering for this this, yes, this feast it, day celebration on Sunday. And it will be a feast. We're we're going to have some barbecues. It's yeah. going to be good, and uh, some ministries are going to be on hand to, to promote what they're doing. The hope there being not only is this what what St. Michael's is doing the work, but here's an ap- opportunity for you to get in the mission as well right. of the parish and, and to expand it even farther. Right. Yeah. What would be your goal? I mean, what would you like to see happen after this? Just, just one concrete thing that you would just love to see happen as a result of this great feast day. Revival. I mean, we are seeing it here. Uh, I say revival because uh, it's, what, it's what I mean, you know, just a, a reinvigoration of, of parish life, of the spiritual life, um, that, that everyone 
is becomes invested or reinvests in the parish, you know, kind of a, a really a new beginning, mm-hmm. you know, to, to say, look at how much God is doing here already in the past few years since the pandemic and so many new families and the growth in the school and the growth in the parish and growth in the youth group and growth in some of our ministries, new ministries being added um, that's expanding the reach of the parish, you know, in the to the parishioners in a way too. Uh, but I think just that revival and say what the more the more that everybody here on the member books, as they say, you know, the more registered members become intentional disciples that we're winning. You know, it's the biggest win of all, because then then you're talking about transforming culture at that point. It's not just, oh, this is a great parish and we love worshiping here and, and that, all that's wonderful. And yes, we want that. But again, is the city going to be different? You know, um, are are there non-believers coming to know Christ? Do they come here wanting Jesus, wanting to seek Him out, wanting to know the faith, wanting the gift of faith if they're not baptized? Because that's that's our responsibility. You know, this isn't just well. You know, I guess so. And, and I guess somebody said, "What's this apostolic times versus Christendom time?" You know, that in Christendom time, people just went to church and. It was a cultural it support, was a cultural and phenomenon. people just came to the church for all their needs, like baptism and marriage, and you know everything was just you just went to church for it. You know you didn't have to. The, the people just came for the sacraments and droves. You know, uh, but now it's not the case. You know, you have the young adults culture today, and they're not getting married in churches or coming back for baptisms for the children uh, in many cases. So there's. There, there's not this culture of, well, yeah, of course we go to church. There's much more of a culture of we don't belong to a faith, a church, or anything. We just kind of flounder or we sort of go to a non-denominational church um, community or something. And there's just no, and even that, you know, is, um, it, it, that is an environment where no one's asking you to be invested to be transformed to be his necessary. It's almost like, well, you know, if you like it here, that's right. good. If you don't, I've got you know, a pulse. Yeah, yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and essentially, one I met someone the other day at a restaurant. I said, I, I think he said he was he has was a fallen away Catholic. He said, well, I go to Elevation Church, you know, mm-hmm. and I think it's in Charlotte. And he goes, and it's awesome. I said, oh, really? I said, and when were you there last? He says, well, a couple months ago. Right. You know, it's just sort of this. He said it was awesome, and then you think, oh, he's probably going every week. Nope. You know, so it probably is awesome, but I don't know how many. I would wonder what the the population of the – is it every Sunday, all Sunday, same people kind of thing, or is it just sort of – and I guess it doesn't matter, right? I mean, I'm sure because you don't have to go on worship on Sunday in the Protestant mind. No. But so that's, that's not yeah. a part of it. Yeah. But again, I think of that. That's the essence of Christianity. We have to get to the point where disciples are not born. They are made. Mm-hmm. They are made. We have to make them. We right. have to convert our children. Yep. We have to convert others. It's not something that you just are born into and, and, and it sticks that well, way. And that's the, that's the command. That's the commissioning of Jesus, isn't it? Go, therefore, and make disciples right and that right. sets so, us apart from judaism right we've talked about that before sure in judaism you're born into the faith yeah. how do you become jew well you're born into it and you convert yeah. later genetically you're jewish yeah, you're the, gen- yes you know, you are christians how are you by baptism how does that happen conversion mm-hmm. yeah. water and the holy spirit yes right by water and the holy spirit we are born right and born again born again yep so 
uh, yeah, so back to the feast. We're excited about it. I, you know, some a family I know in Charlotte is coming. They want. They heard about it and they want to. I said, well, of course you can come. It's yeah, it's sure. But everyone right. who's yeah, here right. on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, revival. Just a time of uh, thanksgiving to the Lord for all His blessings and and openness. What is God asking of everybody here? He's asking something from all of us. You know, this isn't. A select group of people that mm-hmm. seems to is just, he's asking all of us to uh, give of ourselves completely to him. And so, where is the concrete reality that that, that plays out? It's the parish. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's your marriage, your family, the workplace, but it's the parish, right? To be the the center of the family again, the center mm-hmm. of our lives is, yeah. the, is the is the local church. And before we go, um, the the novena to Saint Michael starts today. We have booklets that uh, people could pick up. Hopefully, they started praying them. If we're listening to this, start praying the booklet right. today. Yeah, the Magnificat. The Magnificat. It's beautiful. Days. Really yeah. well done. And if you don't have a copy, pick up a copy here at the parish. Yeah. You can always catch up, right? Yeah. And can you explain your novena really quickly? Yeah. So what does that mean? So the book that we have is from Magnificat. It's called Nine Days of Prayer with St. Michael. Uh, and so we gave, we got 500 of them and gave many of them out this weekend. So we want to start today for the novena, this nine days of prayer, which is novena, means nine. Um, and so this this nine days will start today, the 21st. And so if, if you count the 21st as day one and you count one to all the way up to the 29th, that's the ninth day, right? So, which is the actual feast of correct. Saint Michael? So we'll on be September finishing 29th. the novena on Thursday, September 29th. Um, and so that's Thursday. But why are we celebrating it Sunday? Because as pastor, I can move the feast since it's our patron feast. Uh, we can celebrate it liturgically um, as a parish family on Sunday, which we're doing because we're all here, and mm-hmm. it's just a greater celebration because the 29th falls on a different day of the week every year. And it was hard to kind of corral the parish family to come to a special mass during the week. So we just, I learned that I could do this as pastor. And so I've been doing it the past few years. And now this year we've really, we've really uh, elevated the celebration. So it's exciting. But yes, so this nine days of prayer, this booklet, if you all have it, uh, to start praying that today. And if you don't have the book, you can come by the parish. And certainly they're, they're laying in the, the narthex there on the table. And please help yourself uh, to the booklets. They're very beautiful. And you can really pray these prayers to St. Michael anytime. I mean, it says it's just nine days of prayer. You can have nine days of prayer to St. Michael whenever you want. Sure. So and that's, that's right. the beauty about the book. It's like, it just says day one through th- one through nine, just start, yeah. start again. So beautiful meditations. And the artwork is amazing. Lots of beautiful images of St. Michael that I've never seen before. Uh, lots of compelling prayers and meditations. So it's a really rich uh, booklet. So uh, thanks be to God that the Holy Spirit moved Magnificat to produce that. And then uh, glad we were able to provide that for our people. Yeah, and uh, St. Michael defend us in battle. He's the angel who uh, uh, was he, he def- battled against Satan. Mm-hmm. I love that our patron saint is a warrior. Yep. And that the parish should be a part of the battle. Yes. Uh, let's, right. let's enter the fray. Yeah. Um, and, of course, a soldier is invested. That's right. Um, That's a good point. You know, a soldier is all in or you get killed. Yeah. 
Right. Um, so let's let's be a parish that is willing to, to to battle. And we never got into angels. Well, we'll talk about that some other time. I love that St. Michael is this warrior because we have so domesticated the angels and turned them into hallmark images on a card when sure. they are really ferocious creatures. They are, yeah. In the in a good sense of the way, yeah. but very formidable in so many ways. But we'll save that uh, we'll save that conversation for later. So thank you, Father. Thanks, uh, again, our feast day celebration happening Sunday, the twenty fifth, which is just a few days from the time of this recording. It's gonna be an awesome day. Yes. And we're gonna day. be we're gonna be invested and we're gonna be transformed so we can be fully Jesus Christ in every way. And that this parish shall uh, go into march, march into battle with the Lord and the things that he's doing here. So thank you so much for watching. On behalf of Father Rossi, I am Shane Page, your host. We'll see you next time. God bless you.